Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Sometimes when you don't hear me timestamp the podcast, that means I'm doing an evergreen, which means it's been recorded ahead of time. And usually I put it on when either A, I don't have the time to record a podcast, but usually it's when, you know, baseball is kind of, there's no pressing story. And I kind of want to kind of let loose a little and just try to talk about some things coming through my mind. I'll tell you what I was thinking about today in baseball. I was thinking about the evolution of the hat of the Seattle Mariners. You know, the Mariners were formed in the late 70s because there was a period of time where the, the pilots had moved from Seattle to Milwaukee. Seattle was angry, wanted a new team, was going to sue, and they were going to move the White Sox to Seattle. And the White Sox wound up staying in Chicago, and so the Mariners were formed. And their original hat... I'm what are you talking about? I'm not going to be talking about the Mariners' hats. My God, what did we just watch? What did we just watch? You know, uh, th- that game, I think two people, two groups of people, three groups of people I feel badly for. Three groups of people I feel badly for for tonight. And that's it. I feel badly for the Cleveland Indians uh, not that they have anything to hang their heads about. My God, they left everything out on the field. But to get that far and to be one swing away twice from winning the World Series, if they scored around the bottom of the ninth or if Michael Martinez got a hold of one, they're the world champions. This was, like 2014, a series where at one point, when the ball left the hand of the pitcher, either team could have won the World Series. And so I feel badly that the Indians came so far and came just that shy. I do feel badly for Cleveland fans. I do. I've been here, Cleveland fans, and I don't want the, the whole sort of, hey, your team played tough, hold your head up high. That's not going to mean shit to Cleveland fans right now. I'm telling you. It won't mean piddly-poo to them. So I get it. I get it. I feel badly for them. And do you know who I also feel badly for? Anyone who didn't watch that game. Anyone who didn't watch that game, I feel badly for. Do you hear that sound right now? That's Ken Burns writing copy for the 11th inning when he does a whole episode on this game. This was a game that Homer would have been proud of. It was so epic. And by Homer, I mean the Greek dude who wrote the Odyssey, not what Rajay Davis did. And it started off being looking like it was going to be a kick to the nads because it was going to be a dull game seven. They were up, what, 5-1, 6-1, whatever the score was. It was, it was a dull game, and 
that it was going to grind. You knew that maybe the Indians would score a run here or there, but they'll never catch up, and that inevitably they'll bring in Chapman. And so I'd have to sit there, watch an anticlimactic Game 7 with a Aroldis Chapman on the mound being celebrated for all time. My nightmare. The reason why I was rooting against the Cubs. Not because I hate the Cubs. Nobody hates the Cubs. Not that I didn't feel like my friend's Cubs fan with an eight. My great former boss, Bonnie Hunt, Rob Paravoni, and all these people I know who are rabid Cub fans. They deserve that happiness. I just didn't want them posting the pictures of Chapman. So I feel fine for them. I just didn't want that. And what happened in the eighth inning was one of those moments of a great moment in baseball history that just turned everything on its head and said, guess what, folks? We're driving to Epic Town. You know, you're the, no, we're going from 2002 Game 7 where the Angels pulled ahead and you just knew the Giants just weren't going to get a rally together and it just kind of, and it's over. To we're going to all time, all timesville, and Davis hits the homer, and all of a sudden the Cub fans are like what? The Cleveland fans are like, oh my god, and it became clear. All right, we are going to this is this is real now. We're going to the ninth inning tied, and of course it rained. And I'll tell you what one part of me wanted to have happen. I want it to be a goddamn downpour to say, folks, we're going to call it. It's tied. We're coming back tomorrow to play extra innings. I wanted that to say, do you know what? This is what we need. Let's just watch sudden death baseball. And this could be over in 10 minutes or not, but let's come back tomorrow. Let's extend the season one more day just to play the sudden death. Now, it came back, and the Cubs were able to, you know, but there's no regroup. It's not like the, the narrative, well, the rain delay really helped the Cubs, and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. It just, it evolved. Don't fight what the game is. Don't create narratives and things like that. This is a lesson we should learn from this game, and that is let it happen. You can put the narrative on in retrospect all you want, but let the game unfold. Let the heroes emerge. Dexter Fowler looked like he was going to be the great hero. David Ross looked like he was going to be a, a, a cult hero. And at one point, that ninth inning, when Chapman was wet in the bed and... Kipnis hit a drive, and it hooked foul, and for a moment there, I thought, and so did you, thought that Kipnis had hit a home run. And for me, I didn't want to see Chapman celebrated, and when he didn't come out in the 10th, I thought, I have no quarrel with Carl Edwards. I am rooting for the Indians, yes, but if Carl Edwards, all... 12 pounds of them is the person we're seeing jumping up and down, celebrating a world championship. I can be fine with that. 
And of course, it wasn't him because Rajay Davis refuses to lose. Now, of course, Fox drove me bananas by keep cutting to Chapman. Like, what, is he some beloved cub? What is he, fucking Billy Williams and Ernie Banks all of a sudden? He's a scumbag, wife-beating domestic abuser is what he is. Finally, Joe Buck brought it up. Holy Christ. We only had to get to the seventh game of the World Series to have him say, hey, by the way, he's an asshole, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, kind of sort of is. But they kept cutting to him like, oh, man, let me tell you something. When you think of the great Cubs, who are the great Cubs of all time? Ernie Banks, Gabby Hartnett, Mordecai Three Finger Brown, Ryan Sandberg, Aroldis Chapman, and Ron Santo. That's how it goes, right? Isn't that, that, isn't that the lineup of when they write the all-time Cub team? Oh, he puts Fergie Jenkins off of there? We won't mention the Hawk, Andre Dawson? Quit cutting to him! Cut to Rizzo! Cut to Bryant! Cut to Madden! Cut to Bonnie Hunt! Just stop cutting to Chapman! Like anyone should ever think about anything. We are always, Chapman was crying when he left. Good! He should. Assholes should be crying every day. But when he wasn't there, I thought, like, okay, we've now gone to the scenario that I said that Chapman wets the bed, and if it has to be a Cub victory, someone else is being celebrated. Mike Montgomery. Carl Edwards had a chance to do it. Mike Montgomery is the man on the mound who got the final out. Mike Montgomery. Wow, who would have thought that? But my pal Mike Reisman pointed something out, and this is true. The image that is going to be, I think, on every bar, on every, on every tavern, on every locker, every big Cub fan is going to have the image of Chris Bryant throwing the ball from third, coming in, making the throw. And he was kind of falling when he threw to first, but he was also smiling. A moment of, I'm about to record the final out of the World Series. And do you know what? That's the image. That's the image. Him making that final play. And, of course, Rizzo holding his arms up. And the jumping up with Mike Montgomery. But do you know what? All the images there. It ain't Chapman. It's the Cubs. And the Cubs gave their fans and gave the world a spectacle in this series. Both the Indians and the Cubs. This is like the game... Six of the 1975 World Series, except this was an elimination game for both teams. You know, I was exhausted watching this game. Walking back to my car after watching this game, I, I started thinking about when film critics give a hyperbolic, overly aggrandizing review to a film. I said, one of the great films I've ever seen. I remember Gene Shalit calling Bernardo Bertolucci's The Sheltering Sky, which is a long, very boring, beautifully shot, but very boring movie. And he called it one of the great films of all time. No, Gene, it wasn't. 
And I always want to come up to Gene like four or five years later and say, hey, Gene, uh, give me your best films of all time. I hear him listing, you know, Casablanca, Vertigo, Rules of the Game, 400 Blows. Yeah, how about The Sheltering Sky? Is that on your list? Because yeah, we tend to be hyperbolic about things. We tend to be like, oh, this was great, this was wonderful, and then be like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, kind of, it was okay. But I walked to my car and I said to myself, as I tend to talk to myself out loud, that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Not just because of the drama, but also because what was on the line. This was the defining game for two franchises that have a long history in their original cities where their fan bases go back generations, as does the pain. And the pain that was going to be alleviated from this game would have been epic, whether it was Cleveland celebrating in front of their home fans or in front of the Cub fans who made that are ubiquitous. This was going to be the moment, but for whom? This was the end of Rocky II with Apollo and Rocky falling and reaching for the ropes. Of course there was a rain delay. The powers of nature said, we need to just take a breather and have everyone really appreciate what's going on here. It was an intermission. It was a moment to everyone just, just step away, walk around, breathe in, because can you believe what we're seeing? And I started thinking, is this, in terms of games that I have personally seen live, I did not see the 1975 World Series live. I did not see the Bill Mazeroski game live. So I can't count that. I'm talking about myself, your pal Sully, who watches a crapload of baseball. Where does this fit in the history of baseball? And I started thinking, is it better than some of these other great games? Now, as a World Series... This was an excellent World Series. Not the greatest I've ever seen. I stand by the two greatest World Series I, your pal Sully, have ever seen in his life are 1991 and 2001. 1991, not because, I mean, it was both teams were last place teams going to first, but it was just the quality of the play. That there were, you know, five good games, four of them were all-time classics. And so many extra inning games, so many plays at the plate, you know, walk-off home runs, strange plays, 10-inning shutouts, everything was amazing about that series. So just in terms of pure baseball, 91 and 2001, where, again, you had, uh, you know, several good games, three all-time classic games, games uh, uh, four and five with the Yankees tying the game in the ninth and sent extra innings, and the game seven, which is the most startling game seven I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Those were the, those are the two greatest World Series ever. When you have a series that has a spectacular epic game in it, whether it was 2011 Rangers-Cardinals, that game six, game six of the 1986 World Series, the final game of the 97 World Series between Florida and Cleveland. Um, was it, uh, the game six between the Angels and the Giants uh, 
in 2002, uh, two years ago, Game 7 of Kansas City and San Francisco. When you have one giant epic game, it elevates the rest of the series. And I think this is what we have here. You had one all-time great game and uh, two or three pretty good games. Games three and five were, were good, solid games. This was a, a game that you just sort of, authors' heads would explode coming up with. I think the whole series, does it doesn't reach the level of 91 and 2001, but for this specific game, I really had to stop and think because, you know, my buddy P.J. Marino said, like, what about uh, Dave Henderson, Donnie Moore? I said, actually, this was better because, yes, it was an elimination game for the Red Sox, but it was the league championship series, not the World Series, and it forced a game six and eventually a game seven. 86 between Red Sox and Mets. No, that, yes, all the great drama in Boston and everything and the epic nature of that game, but that, there was a game seven to be played after that. You know, Marlins-Indians game seven. Yes, that was incredible, but the emotion of the Marlins as opposed to the Cubs in the World Series, the amplification of a Expansion team in its fifth year versus the agony of 108 years put the amps behind it. That was more a series that Cleveland lost as opposed to a Marlins team that was assembled just for that one year and dismantled shortly after the victory parade. I really had to stop and think. The Aaron Boone game. Okay, the Aaron Boone game because of what was on the line for the Red Sox and what was on the line for the Yankees. Was the curse over? Was the curse going to continue? You, you, that can be in the conversation right there. Game 7, 91. The Jack Morris, 10 shutout innings, it being scoreless into the 10th. Two teams not given up. Okay, you can put that in the conversation. Game 7, 2011, uh, 2001, with all the emotion of New York on September 11th and the startling comeback by Arizona, including Randy Johnson coming out of the bullpen on no day's rest. Okay, you can put that on the table. And I think that's the table. I think that's the table. Arizona, Yankees, 2001 final game. The Aaron Boone game, the, the final game of Minnesota versus Atlanta, and this one. I'm going to remove the Aaron Boone game simply because that wasn't for the World Series. And we're stuck now with final game 91, final game 2001, final game 2016. There you go. There's your three. Now, where the, I'm not going to put this ahead of them right now for the same reason that Gene Shalit should not have called The Sheltering Sky one of the great films of all time. But we've seen one of the greatest games of all time. This is the type of game that puts baseball back on the map. This is the type of game that you look at and go like, yeah, this is why we love it. This is why we love baseball because it's amazing. 
because Rajay Davis and David Ross in what could be their final games hit homers because the, the maniacal pitching changes can turn some unlikely people into heroes and some likely heroes into goats because there was a period when the ball was leaving Mike Montgomery's hand that the World Series could have been won by the Cubs or the Indians at that moment. And that the fact that the baseball gods told us to just take five, look around, and say, isn't this great? It wasn't the baseball gods crying. It was moisture entering the atmosphere, and that atmosphere, the atmospheric pressure causing water to fall from the clouds. It's called rain, you idiot. What do you mean the baseball gods? It's nature. But the coincidence of that rain made us all say, wow, isn't this something? And just like that, baseball's gone. Baseball has left us. And baseball, the season is over. And it gave us a spectacular finale. It gave us the kind of finale you expected a fireworks show on the 4th of July where they just unload everything. This was what we will remember. Remember I was saying that? So what will we remember for this game? I don't think there's one player you point at. Soberest? Davis? I don't think there is one. I think that's the beauty of this game. That's the beauty of what we saw. This wasn't the Ben Zobris game. This wasn't the Rajay Davis game. This wasn't the David Ross game. This wasn't the Cody Allen game. It was the game where the Cubs won and the Indians gave it their all. This was a goddamn masterpiece. This was one of the three greatest games I've ever seen in my life. And my, your pal Sully has watched a lot of baseball. So when I wake up in the morning, when you're listening to it now, baseball will be gone. This daily companion. I'll still be here. I'll be still doing a podcast every single day. And still doing this because we need this daily companion. But... MLB, Fox, TBS, all you who are in charge of selling this game, what else do they have to do? What else do they have to do to show what a great product this is? A team of young superstars are now world champions and have given their fans a spectacular conclusion. You know, at one point I kind of thought that it would would be better for baseball if this Cubs agony lasted just one more year because you can build it up. But do you know what? I, I take that back because it's sort of like when the Red Sox won, they won in the most spectacular fashion with the coming back against the Yankees and just pl plowing their way to the end. There's like, there's your perfect ending. And Cub fans, you've got that perfect ending too. And my heart breaks for Cleveland Indian fans and just... 
man, watch those Cavalier tapes and realize that you're not sitting going, when am I ever going to see a title again? And baseball is a beautiful thing. I can think of few things more perfect than baseball. I can think of few things that can get my emotions like this, that I have no real skin in the game. It's a beautiful thing. And if you didn't see it, I actually feel badly for you. You missed top three. Top three all time. Where will it rank amongst those top three? Ask me in about ten years. I'll be still doing a podcast every single day. Uh, it was very hard to pick who owned baseball, who owned the World Series, and who owned October. And yes, I know this game was played in November. I know, I get it, I get it, I get it. But do you know what? I don't like one. Okay. Um, I really, I mean, I could have given it to Dexter Fowler, had an amazing game, but I gave it to World Series MVP Ben Zobrist for that hit that put him ahead for good. Uh, and John Lester, who pitched very, very well out of the bullpen. Uh, Lord knows our oldest Chapman didn't own baseball. I almost gave it to Mike Montgomery, but Lester did a terrific job. Um, half was Cody Allen was, you know, disappointing effort by Arietta, who was just out of gas. Andrew Miller was just out of gas, but Cody Allen brought it and had a really good game with his shutout innings. And Rajai Davis, who was going to be beloved in Cleveland forever, but he almost just became one of the all-time figures in baseball history. But he'll be in that. There have been players who made great plays in lo for losing causes. Just think of Andy Chavez, for God's sakes. So, savor this, folks. Oh, and to review, if you're keeping sore at home, Lester, Zobris, Allen, Davis, blah, blah, blah. It's the last time I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure out the final tally of woos and wows. I'm just a little exhausted right now, as you should be too. But... Just savor this. You know, we're not always going to get something like this, and we'll never get a matchup like quite like this because the Cubs will have been a victor. And I think the Cubs may wind up winning more than one World Series. And just think, Cub fans, this will be the last time you'll ever be lovable. Take it from a Red Sox fan. That's the truth. So continue going to sullybaseball.com. Continue going to mlbreports.com to see all the up-to-date listings and where I'm going to be posting stuff all through the off-season. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball. You can write me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Like me on Facebook. Like, go to iTunes and leave a nice review for this. And, and Stitcher and SoundCloud and everywhere. And just know I'm going to be here through the off-season. I just need a moment to realize, wow, if baseball is saying goodbye, that's quite a goodbye. Music's my tip factor, Patrick Kowalski. Not talking about the Seattle Mariners hats. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the third day of November 2016. I'm your exhausted host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.